Hello, welcome to You Don't Know Mojack. My name is Ryan. My name's Brand. In this episode, we're discussing SST94, the Flesh Eaters album, Greatest Hits, Destroyed by Fire. It's our first Flesh Eaters record. We had the Divine Horseman a few episodes ago, but it's the first Flesh Eaters, which is very cool. I'm a, I'm a, a big fan. Um, and I was I used to be a bigger fan of Flesh Eaters than the Divine Horseman, but Divine Horsemen have caught up on me after those last two episodes, Brent. Big time. It's yeah. funny. Uh, I've had a couple of bands like that over the last year. In fact, I was thinking that new Trotsky Icepick record, I really like it. And I kind of want, and I honestly, I've never been that big of a fan of Trotsky Icepick, but I'm going to go back and check them out a little bit more deeply now too. I don't know. Am I getting old? Is my mind getting a little bit more open? I don't know. Don't check them out too deeply, Ryan. Because we're going to go, we're going to do the deep dive eventually on. That's right. You can jump the gun. Oh, give me a break. Your, <laughs> your middle name is Gun Jumper. <laughs> Uh, you have any spiels for uh, the people, Brent? Yeah, I have a few actually. I think we talked about both of these records, um, maybe on our summertime uh, cracks in the sidewalk episode. But I, I've since gotten both of them, and I think you maybe have too. Well, I know you got one, the Teenage Head Tornado Revved Up Edition. Yes. I have to talk about these records because, as most of our listeners know, we're Canadian. And a lot of our listeners aren't, so they might not be aware of these records. So Teenage Head uh, did this EP, I don't know when, um, sometime in the 80s, maybe 83-ish. Yeah. Uh, it was like their big U.S. breakthrough EP, where they changed the name of the band to Teenage Heads with an S, I guess, to make it less crude or whatever. It's been remixed and... There's like 14 extra tracks or something like that on it. The remix sounds great. Uh, the booklet that comes with the album is awesome. It's got great liner notes and tons of cool pictures and stuff. If you're a Teenage Head fan, you should pick it up. It's awesome. Yeah, agreed. All Teenage Head is good, actually. Yes, on that we can agree. And the other one, Ryan, is this SNFU, and it's the album's called And Yet Another Pair of Lost Suspenders. So what happened was the band split up after, oh, what album was it? Better Than a Stick in the Eye. They split up after that one. And then Last of the Big Time Suspenders was like their odds and sods compilation that they put out while they were split up, and they reformed to, uh, I guess, promote that record. And this album was recorded on that tour. Uh, it's a it's a board tape. Yeah, nineteen ninety two Canadian tour, and uh, it's great. It's got, you know, leans heavily on if you if you swear you'll catch no fish. It's got songs from you know all three of their their albums, and uh, it's really good. It's a good recording too. Classic era SNFU right before they signed to to Epitaph. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, one other thing, Ryan, I wanted to mention, there's a new Dynamite Hemorrhage. It's number seven. Dynamite Hemorrhage, of course, is a, a zine we've mentioned a few times on the podcast, made by Jay Hinman from San Francisco. He also has a cool podcast, too. He plays tons of great music on it. And uh, if you go to his website, dynamitehemorrhage.com, you can pick up back issues on PDFs. And he's a really good writer. And um, 
The new one has, uh, I guess, kind of the big feature article is on the magazine Forced Exposure. Yeah. And the subtitle of the, the article is The Finest Nihilistic Sub Underground Record Freak Fanzine of All Time. And he goes through the fanzine's entire history, issue by issue. And he really drives home the the desperate need for a, a We Got Power touch-and-go bazillion points style book kind of compiling that zine. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. And another article in there, Ryan, I, I kind of have a little challenge for you. I thought this might be fun. There's an article called 20 Genius Garage Punk 45s Maybe You Haven't Heard Yet. Ooh. And in your spiel, we're going to be talking about some some 45s. But I wanted wanted to challenge you. How about for next episode, we each pick our five favorite Garage Punk 45s and just just spiel them real quick. Uh, okay. Yeah, I can do that. Okay. Challenge. I thought, I'm so glad that it's that type of a challenge. I thought it was going to be a test. <laughs> I don't want any more tests from you. Oh, it's a test. I'm testing you to see if you have... <laughs> Good taste in good... 90s garage rock. Does it have to be 90s? What? 80s or 90s, I guess. The focus of this article is like the 80s and especially the 90s. Okay. Era. So that's that's where I'm coming from. It's a challenge because you want to see if I have good taste, even though because you are the originator of the challenge, the conclusion by you will be that you have better taste. So very good then. We'll let the listeners decide. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, I'm done. Go. That's it? That's it. Okay, well, that's good. Um, Brant, my my theme for this week is literature. Okay. Are you with me? Yes. Literature. So first, I want to give you a couple of, uh, give you some props. Um, you gifted me that book, Afraid of Modern Living, about, oh, yeah. about world imitation and monitor written by Antonio S. Beecroft, uh, and it's on, uh, it was published by Sounds on Paper. I finally finished reading that. Um, it's a quick read, like a week, but I really enjoyed the story of uh, the band, the art collective, I guess you would say. I also really enjoyed the artwork. I I wasn't surprised at all once I was reading through it to, to see all of the, uh, like the affinity of the the world imitation collective with devo in particular yeah um so i I really enjoyed that book so thank you for that i also really liked reading about uh the ep that they put out by the tiki's and oh yeah yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna have to find that one one day um the second thing i wanted to give you a shout out on is um i i tweeted you about a month or so ago about like i needed something to read and uh, you re-recommended that Swans book, and I ended and I ended up getting it, and I really like it. Um, yeah. Sacrifice and Transcendence by Nick Soulsby. It's um, it's an oral history, but it's really well done, and it really drives home um, what the Swans were about. It's like reading what it what it's like to listen to a Swans record. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's just like you would have to really love this music to be able to stomach playing in this band and going on these tours. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so that's that's two shout outs to you. I want to uh, 
hippie to something new. I think you may have uh, seen this when you were at my place last time, but a dude named Tim Satchwell has put out a couple of books on the clash. One's called all the peacemakers. The other is combat ready. One is about basically uh, giving them, give them enough rope. Like one book is all about that. And the other one is all about combat rock. Uh, Tim, Tim Satchwell pulled these together. Basically like, I was looking on my shelf. I have somewhere between 15 and 20 clash books. If I count like Joe, Joe Strummer, solo books, Don Letts books, photo books, uh, Mescalero's books, somewhere between 15 and 20. These two are uh, really great additions and there's more info in there um, that I didn't know about. So it's very cool. You can, and you can, um, you can hit the Google machine and find his stuff, but I'm going to give you the website because it's a little tricky to get there. It's a Wix site. I don't even know what that is, but you got to go HTTPS colon T-I-M-S zero eight dot W-I-X-S-I-T-E dot com. It's like Tim 08 dot Wix site dot com. But um, he's a good dude and uh, the shipping is good too. It's coming from the UK and it, it ain't cheap, but he does a good job at the shipping too. Um, cool. Finally, I want to mention, I pointed this one out to you as well, too, over a tweet about a month ago. And uh, I haven't got it yet, but I ordered it and I thought other people on, would probably be interested in it. It's this book called Cross Over the Edge, Where Hardcore, Punk, and Metal Collide by Alexandros Anisiadis. And you know that that's like not, crossover punk is not my favorite, but I was reading some reviews on it and it probably... It will talk about a lot of bands that um, I was definitely fans of near the tail end of, you know, the 80s hardcore era that kind of went metal. So th yeah. there's enough of an interest uh, from me in it to uh, to order that book. And I think others who listen to the show would like that one, too. I bet you would like it even <laughs> even more because you are probably uh, like a fan of a lot more of the bands oh, yeah. in there. I, uh, it's funny you bring it up. I pre-ordered it today. So yeah, there you go. I knew yeah. it. The, the, the thing that put over, put it over the edge for me was I was reading the, on Amazon, there's a list of all the bands that it sounds like there's a chapter kind of for each band and overkill LA is listed on there. And I was like, well, it's podcast research. I have to get it now. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. There's lots of bands though, that I know, like you probably actually have the records and uh, a lot of the bands that I was a fan of that kind of turned into this era, I just, I like, I didn't buy those last two records of theirs, you know? But yeah. um, who knows? Maybe it'll cause me to go and check them out. Why not? Yeah, man. Uh, that's it for me. Four books, literature, boom. Let's talk about your blog post. I kind of referenced, referenced it a little bit when I said, Oh, yeah. Uh, 40, we'll be talking about 45s. Yeah, right. Um, Tell the people, Ryan, we've got a new blog post. Yeah, so folks may recall I, I wrote a post about Homestead Records, my top 10. And over the summer, I fell back in love with, um, with 7 Inches and 45s. I was just going through my shelves endlessly and just finding a whole bunch of good nuggets that I haven't listened to in a long time. And I spent a ton of time in my uh, various artists and comps section. And so 
I ended up thinking, hey, you know, um, a lot of this stuff way back when, especially in the 90s, actually, but they used to come out as like a series. So this uh, this post is basically a list of my favorite punk or indie compilation series. So these are ones that um, they would come out, you know, sometimes sporadically, uh, but sometimes like monthly. And there are some series like that out there still today. I subscribe. They're not really comps, but I subscribe to the Joyful Noise monthly uh, seven-inch single club. I also resubscribe to the recent Sub Pop one. But these are series of a particular label. Um, and there's just a ton of great bands on there. And uh, it was great to remind myself. And I hope I remind some of our listeners of some of these series to go check them out. Yeah, I was, uh, I've got some homework to do myself while I was reading it, when I was putting it up on the blog. So great job, Ryan, and everyone should go to mojackpod.com and check it out. Yeah, man. Would it count if I used one of my top five, if it came from one of the series that I listed? Like what if it was a, like a gearhead single? Am I allowed to do that? Sure, man. Okay then you're in trouble. Another reason I wrote the blog is because it's, well, like a resume, a job interview for like Andrew Earls or Mike T. Fournier. Maybe they'll uh, <laughs> they'll get me to co-author something. Hey. Could happen. I can always dream. That's right. <laughs> I can always dream. I can write with one of those cool dudes one day. Yeah. That's it, man. Maybe we should go uh, get our flesh eaten. Let's do that. History lesson, part one. Hey, Brent, I'm a little concerned that you probably researched all summer about the flesh eaters. Am I right? I did, actually. Yeah. I did. I figured. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I have to say, like, so this is as referenced in the awesome title, by the way, Greatest Hits Destroyed by Fire. I love that album title. Uh, this is kind of like the flesh eaters broke up. Chris D did the Divine Horseman and released kind of this compilation to, I don't know, I guess, put something out on SST, maybe? he was Since he was kind of affiliated with them through the Divine Horseman. But this is a compilation of the first four Flesh Eaters albums that did not come out on SST, but there will be Flesh Eaters albums later on on SST yeah. after the Divine Horseman split up. So Much, much later on. Like, we're well into the 270s or something before we get there, right? Yeah. So just a few words about what I referenced for all this information tonight. The main thing I referenced was the awesome Chris D book, A Minute to Pray, A Second to Die, which is a collection of writing by Chris D. It's got all of his lyrics, a bunch of poems, some short stories. It's got seven screenplays in it and little write-ups about each album. And I've read a bunch of his fiction books too, and they're all awesome. So, and a lot of them are still available. So track those down. Support Chris D. He's a great writer. Where did you pick up that book? This I got directly from Chris D. Oh, no kidding, hey? Yeah, you, it's hard to find. Can you order from his website? Uh, maybe. Huh. I ordered, like I've ordered his fiction books off Amazon before. Okay. His fiction books are really great. Like, you know crime thrillers like Jim Thompson style or whatever. Yeah, I remember you mentioning that on the Divine Horseman episodes. 
Yeah. So this is like, this book is my primary source for this episode, but there's also liner notes for a lot of these albums, especially in the reissues that we're going to be talking about. And there's a great article in Dynamite Hemorrhage. I think it's Dynamite Hemorrhage number one, which you can find a PDF of on the website. And also there's an article that Jay Hinman did on Perfect Sound Forever around 2001 on the Flesh Eaters. So I got a few things from that. And also there's a few tidbits in the awesome new book, Under the Big Black Sun, which we've referenced a few times. Yeah. And the first, and the first John Doe book too. Or no, that is the first one. That is the first one, yeah. Right. That one's got, um, yeah, what I did was I re-listened to that. That's right. That is the one that Chris D has a chapter in. And he reads it, reads the audiobook version too. Uh, So that's where I got most of this stuff from. So just a little history on the Flesh Eaters. They formed uh, summer 1977. Their first rehearsal was at DJ Bonebreak's house with Joe Ramirez, who was uh, the singer for The Eyes. And uh, he was drumming for Chris in this first Flesh Eaters lineup. And he was friends with DJ, who was the drummer for The Eyes. So that's how they ended up at DJ Bonebreak's place. John Ritchie was on bass. And a friend of Chris's from college named Bob Grasso was on guitar. But he quit after the first jam. And that's when they brought in Tito LaRiva from The Plugs. And they played... Their uh, live debut on December 23rd, 1977 at The Mask, opening for The Dickies, The Nuns, and The Eyes. They started doing some recording at this guy Randy Stodola's uh, house. He was with the Alley Cats in January of 1978 with a four-track. Tito quit to go back to his own band, The Plugs, after this initial three-song session. Uh, I didn't know this, but Stan Ridgway, later of Wall of Voodoo, joined the band for a few months. And then things fell apart, so summer of that year, uh, Christie asked local band The Flyboys to back him on an EP and to do some shows. Do you know The Flyboys, Ryan? I don't. I know The Flies, not The Flyboys. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I don't know them either, but I think they were part of that early Hollywood scene. You know what? I've got, uh, I've got my flex book out turned right to The Flesh Eaters. Yeah. A few pages on will be the Flyboys. I know it. I'm going to go there. Here we go. So Flyboys as, so not the Minneapolis band. There was a Minneapolis one from 1980. The Flyboys, two words. And then there was the Flyboys. Oh, and this this stuff is on Frontier Records. So these are the guys. Yeah. So they had, they had a single Crayon World, Square City, and a self-titled 12-inch on Frontier Records. There you go. So they're backing up Chris on this EP, and then the Flesh Eaters recorded again with Randy Stodola, and they released Disintegration Nation, a 7-inch, on Chris's own Upsetter Records in 1978. And this is a cool thing that I want to mention here. Also on Upsetter in 1979, Chris released The Tooth and Nail compilation, which is one of the first, if not the first, LA punk comps. It had the controllers, the flesh eaters, UXA, negative trend, middle class, and the germs. And it was produced with Judith Bell, who was a writer at Slash and Chris's girlfriend at the time. Apparently, X was also supposed to be on this compilation, but Billy Zoom refused to be on it because he had a bad experience with Danger House, who um, released a comp called Yes LA, a single-sided 
Com with the bags, the eyes, Alley Cats, Black Randy, X, and the Germs. And X had also released the Adult Books single on Danger House by that point. Why does a bad experience on Danger House have anything to do with being on the Tooth and Nail comp? Like a indie label, I guess. Oh, I see. Yeah. Huh. So in 1980, they recorded their first album with what Chris calls a mix and match mode of personnel. Released it on Upsetter Records that same year. And we'll be going into these albums the more in more detail when we go through the tracks. The second LP, A Minute to Pray, A Second to Die, probably it's probably their most well-known album. Yep. It, that one's got a 70s garage band style punk rock sound. Link Ray meets Bo Diddley, R&B, African roots music thrown in there. This, this comes from Chris's book. Lyrics were French, symbolist inspired, mixed with hoodoo voodoo, tragic country. Uh, the title... A Minute to Pray, A Second to Die, comes from a spaghetti western from the 60s about an epileptic gunfighter. That album was recorded January 1981, and it was released on Ruby Records, which was created to release the record. Bob Biggs of Slash, I think we might have talked about this before, he created Ruby Records to as like a, I don't know, what do you call it, a subsidiary of Slash? Of Slash, yeah. Okay, then Forever Came Today is another album we'll be talking about tonight. That is the one where, and again, we'll, I'll be talking more about the people in the bands when we get to the tracks, but uh, there was some members of uh, the Blasters and X in the Flesh Eaters. They're starting to take off by this point, uh, and Slash gets picked up for distribution by Warners. So the Blasters and X guys are mostly gone out of the band. Chris puts together a new lineup, Don Kirk on guitar, Raman Robin Jameson on bass, Chris Wall on drums, Steve Berlin sticks around on sax, and Jill Jordan on backing vocals. And that album, Forever Came Today, was recorded on St. Valentine's Day 1982 at Quad uh, by this guy Pat Burnett, whose father was apparently country star Dorsey Burnett. And then the fourth album is A Hard Road to Follow, and it's the same lineup as Forever, Forever Came Today. And I've got more detailed stuff on all of these albums as we go through the tracks. This album came out on LP, cassette, and CD. And the and as usual with SST, there are extra tracks on the cassette and CD. So I'll be mentioning those as well. I only have the LP. I didn't realize that. Let's go through the tracks. History lesson part two. All right. So what what do you have? What are you working off of then? I am working off a CD. Okay, I've got the LP only, and I don't have I don't have liner notes or anything, so I'll try and follow along here. Okay, well, you have the first track, uh, "See You in the Boneyard." It's from their second LP, "A Minute to Pray, A Second to Die," written by Chris D. Yeah, "See You in the Boneyard" is like a real scronkin' sax and vocals tune, right? Big time. Uh, this one, this one has their most famous. Most famous lineup on it, John Doe, DJ Bonebreak, Dave Alvin, Bill Bateman of the Blasters, and Steve Berlin from Top Jimmy's Rhythm Pigs and later of Los Lobos. Recorded at Quad Tech, Quad Tech with Pat Burnett, apparently in one night. The whole album. Whole album, hey? Wow. Yeah. Did you find out anything relative to Chris's singing style in the Flesh Eaters versus Divine Horseman? Uh definitely more unhinged, I would say in the flesh eaters yeah oh yeah i was just wondering whether you found any commentary on that oh 
just his own. He's not wild about his singing in A Hard Road to Follow. Yeah, Byron Coley has done a lot of writing on the Flesh Eaters when I was looking around, especially in the, oh, yeah. in the liner notes and whatnot. Like, I think that I think the Flesh Eaters were like his, one of his favorite bands, if not his favorite band. And yeah, he he references Chris's singing as being like exactly right for the mix of sounds that were the Flesh Eaters. Yep, for sure. He's got great liner notes in in all of these albums, and uh, talks a lot about how great they were live. Uh, for me, this one, right off, it sounds uh, different and cool with DJ on marimbas and Steve on sax. The chorus of this song always makes me think of the awesome Houston band, speaking of gar- 90s garage rock, Sugar Shack. Oh, yeah. yeah. Love them. And I just love the line, she hit me and it felt like a kiss, followed by that awesome Chuck Berry lick that Dave Alvin rips off. Yep. Yeah. Uh, this is from Chris's book. This one is a gender reversal transposition in homage to the Crystals' 1962 song, He Hit Me and It Felt Like a Kiss. Hmm. Uh, The next track is called, what does yours say, LP? Does it say Cyrano de Berger's Back? Yep. John Doe wrote this song. Yeah, no surprise there because it really reminds me of that song, Drunk in My Past, from More Fun in the New World. It does, yeah. So Cyrano de, de Bergerac is a play written in 1897 by Edmund Rostand. Uh, the song references the play and its characters. To me, this one has a bit of a Motown vibe almost to it. Oh, yeah. Here's from Chris's book. He says, I picked John's great love song as the one cover song for the album. I had heard X play it several times in rehearsal, but knew they had no immediate plans to record it. John was game. X did record it circa 1987 for See How We Are in a significantly different arrangement. So if anybody wants to listen to those two songs back to back, I did. And it was definitely interesting. Yeah. It's not the one that I think of. Drunk in My Past yeah. is the one. Those two chords, um, the, the two main chords of this song really remind me of that one rather than yeah. like the actual one from See How We Are. Well, they might, they probably did use it, right? Because, you know, they probably weren't planning on recording it, and then they did. Yeah. Uh, the third track, Dominoes, written by Chris D. This is from their first full-length, No Questions Asked. Hey, what version of No Questions Asked do you have? I've got the, the mono records one with the extra, like, ten tracks. Do you have that one? Yeah, that's the one I have, too. That's the only one to have now, right? Yeah. That's got really good liner notes, too, again, by Byron Coley. Yeah. Uh, engineered by Larry Duhart at Program and Zamp at Mental Ward, 1980. Uh, here's Byron Coley's liner notes. The 14 tracks were recorded over the course of a year, during which time the Flesh Eaters had stopped being an active live band. Chris was focusing more on editorial and writing duties for Slash Magazine and chose to put together ad hoc groups of friends to record his material. Uh, I already mentioned this, but bass was John Ritchie of The Eyes, drums was Carla, Mad Dog, Barrett of The Controllers, Joe Ramirez of The Eyes, and Black Randy on was, was on guitar. Here's Byron Coley again. The lyrics are wonderful, bleeding collages of B-movie, dementia, street crime, Mexican Catholicism, and Dionysian punk, spurt poetics. The vocals are powerful, cat-scratching patterns of night-ripping fear 
huge bursts of post-glottal ranch vomit, and cascades of pure and toxic love. Jeez. Byron. I love that. Yeah. Byron Coley's an awesome writer. Yeah. Uh, and he wrote for Forced Exposure. Kind of a cool coincidence that I mentioned that Dynamite Hemorrhage uh, article. Or is it? Yeah, or is it? Well, Dynamite Hemorrhage, the zine, is is named after a Flesh Eater song. So oh, yeah. Not that much of a coincidence, I guess. Um, I know Jay Hinman is also a big Flesh Eaters fan. I just, uh, for me, this is like a, kind of got an early, you could tell this is one of the early tracks. It's kind of got speedy punk verses with a chorus that kind of sounds like, almost like a nursery rhyme or something. Yeah, this this stuff, Dominoes and the next one, it just to me is early LA punk. You could add, you could add some... Uh, some like keys or like organ to it and it could be the dickies you could add a little bit more chuck berry guitar it could be x um you can tell they're all kind of cross-pollinating in this scene back around then yeah as you mentioned the next track impossible crime written by chris d also from the no questions asked record this one has john doe on bass dj bone break on drums and judith bell who was chris's girlfriend at the time is credited as v on the album she does backing vocals joe ramirez and guitar on guitar here's from chris's book lyrics heavily influenced by cut up stream of consciousness free association poetry style uh i like the lyric i'm scared of dying but honey i can't quit i don't heal up like i used to that is a good one track five secret life is from forever came today their third full length lyrics by chris music by the whole band uh, here's from Chris's book. The title of the album, Forever Came Today, was in homage to the Supreme's incredible song of the same name. And here he is talking about what he was listening to at the time that he they made this album. The Cramps, X, Birthday Party, Lydia Lunch, but also ACDC and Girl School. Mm. He says, a significant factor behind the lyrics, I met and fell in love with someone in mid-1981, and the words to several songs, including this one, reflect the rarefied intensity of those feelings for her. And of course, uh, the bass player Robin Jameson would go on to be in The Divine Horseman. We talked about him in our episode. Uh, Chris Wall on drums, Don, Don Kirk on guitar, Steve Berlin again on sax, Jill Jordan on backing vocals. And for me, this one sounded like something Johnny Thunders could have pulled off. Chris even reminds me a bit of, of him on the track. Yep. This to me sounded like swampy Johnny Thunders. Yeah. Track six was a standout for me. Uh, Hard Road to Follow. Lyrics by Chris D. Music by the, the rest of the band. Same sessions as Forever Came Today, but this one was previously un, unavailable. Recorded in 1983, is what it says in the liner notes to this album. This is the one that has the the lyric, I didn't know I could kill a man with my bare hands, which they later used on the, the Divine Horseman track, My Sin. Uh, it's also included on the CD reissue of A Hard Road to Follow, which, uh, again, Byron Coley does the liner notes for, and was re-released on Upsetter Records in 2004. Uh, a Hard Road features more female vocals from Jill Jordan, who was in a band called Castration Squad, with Alice Bag, Dinah Cancer of 45 Grave, Tracy Leah, a.k.a. Tanya Hurst, who was in Desperate Teenage Love Dolls. 
Apparently this song, uh, this is from Chris's book, was partially inspired by Neil Young's breathtakingly splendid Down by the River, the most gut-wrenching murder ballad penned since the mid-19th century. <laughs> Here's Byron, a sludge masterwork that never made it onto the original album, a wonderful grinding mass of metal riffs in concert, it would often end in chaos with Chris rolling around on the stage of the anti-club yelling, stay away from the main road, stay away from the railroad tracks. This song has awesome lyrics. I love like, I think it's the first line says, I woke up with the sun in my face on the banks of a forgotten river. Yeah. Love it. All right. The CD and cassette only now add a song called Divine Horseman. Uh, again, from A Minute to Pray, A Second to Die. Uh, the CD reissue of A Hard Road to Follow actually has a rough but cool live version of this song, recorded live on tour at Maxwell's in Hoboken, summer of 82. And it has the sax part played on guitar, and it's a bit faster. And that same live version is the B-side of the forced exposure split with The Divine Horseman. It came out in 1987. Kind of a weird song. It just kind of repeats a pattern over and over. There's no real chorus. But it's it's an interesting track. Now, we're flipping the record over and going to the song The Wedding Dice. Music and words by Chris. This is from Forever Came Today. Uh, in, it, in the book, A Minute to Pray, he calls this one of the all-time best Flesh Eater songs. I really like it. There's a video for this song, too that they did it shows chris it's directed by this guy gary wako and it's a really cool video because it has a plot line chris is like a total badass in the video and the 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 shots of the band just look so cool and you can definitely tell like chris's love of noir and exploitation films if you check out the video this one for me has a bit of an x vibe to it with a cool sabbath riff thrown in uh track two pony dress written by chris d this is from a compilation called american youth report which came out on bomp records yes uh it's got bad religion channel three adolescence rhino 39 tsol red cross legal weapon descendants doing i'm not a loser and the minutemen doing working men are pissed and i was looking at the album cover of this maybe a listener can confirm this but i think that might be mugger on the cover of American Youth Report, like throwing some punk rocker off the stage. I don't know. They the cover on my copy is too obscure to tell who it is. Maybe someone can confirm that. This song is a different version from the one that's on the Tooth and Nail compilation. I believe it's the No Questions Asked lineup. Uh, on that one, this is the Hard Road to Follow lineup has a bit of slap back on the vocals on this one. It kind of adds to the X rockabilly rockabilly type vibe of the track. Are you looking to the liner notes of American youth report to see if you can find who's on the cover? Yes. I already tried that. The... <laughs> well, Hey, Hey, but here's the thing though. It says uh, newspaper photo by Glenn E. Hmm. Friedman. Hey, okay. So maybe Glenn, uh, if he's listening, can help us out. Someone will know. Yeah. Other cover picks, Ed Culver. But yeah, no, that's different ones. Yeah, good comp, American Youth Report. Okay, here's from the 
uh, Byron's No Questions Asked liner notes. He's talking about the tooth and nail version of this, not the the one that's on here, but this was interesting. The tooth and nail version of this song was done by a group comprised of Pat Garrett, John Doe, DJ Bonebreak, and also Xine Cervenka. So it's all of X minus what he's, he calls the always obstinate Billy Zoom. <laughs> Pony, Dress, Pony Dress is one of the Flesh Eater's best love tracks as it combines a kind of spazzed out roots rock fundamentalism with crazed hot rod moves and classic Roger Corman vision action. It's a super catchy song. Track three, Will Never Die, written by Chris D. This is from A Hard Road to Follow. This song, uh, here's from Chris. This song is more in the story mode, something I would be diving into headfirst with a vengeance on the still-to-come Divine Horseman albums, influenced by writer James Kane as well as noir films. For me, I, I wrote this one has a bit of a goth feel, which suits the lyrics. Track four, Every Time I Call Your Name, written by Chris. This is again from A Hard Road. And uh, here's from Chris's book. Virtually all of the Hard Road album is obsessively fixated on the then love of my life, who I am singing about on Forever Came Today. Here's a lyric that I liked. I'm crawling naked through fire-gutted neighborhoods every time I call your name. I'm sweating, burning blood from my pores every time you call my name. I can't overstate, Ryan, how awesome Christie's lyrics are. Yeah, they're pretty uh, pretty intense. You can tell, like, he was he was living his lyrics, right? Yeah, oh, like, yeah. When, he, when he's singing them, too. Yeah, this one has a real unhinged vocal from Chris. He's starting to sound more like his Divine Horseman stuff here, though, too, because he's got Jill Jordan on backing vocals. So, Yeah, to take up the uh, the higher register. Yeah. Uh, track four, Lake of Burning Fire, written by Chris D. This one is one of the tracks on the compilation that's listed as previously unavailable, recorded 1982. Found this in the Hard Road reissue from Byron. This one was recorded a little earlier than most of the material, but was an occasional and much-loved set closer of this era serving as the Flesh Eater's one-song distillation of the Stooges' Funhouse. <laughs> which I totally picked up on. That was, that was, that's what my notes said before even reading the, the Byron thing. Oh, yeah? It's a total Stooges-style derve. I love the maniacal laughter in it. I kept waiting for uh, Chris D to go, Blow, Steve! Let me in! Like, he do <laughs> like Iggy does. Yeah. Well, this fun house. One, this one is uh, for me. This had well a lot of the songs do, but this one had a bit of a goth vibe too, the ly lyrically and musically. Yeah. Here's from Chris's book. This song came out of a marijuana codeine bummer while driving on a rainy night on an L.A. freeway. Jeez. And then the CD and tape uh, out on an extra track, "Drag My Name in the Mud," written by Chris from Forever Came Today. And that's another one Chris names in his book, along with Wedding Dice, is one of his favorite Flesh Eater songs. And it's got a bit more of a Stooges vibe again. Those are the tracks. Yeah, good record. Can't wait to... Well, it's too bad we didn't get to go through the earlier records, but it definitely gets you primed for the later ones once we get to them. 
you know what? I listened to all four of those records again, and I would say this is a good representation. Oh, for sure it is. Yeah. Yeah. But those records, they really stand on their own as well, is my opinion. They do. Yeah. They do for sure. Uh, but I don't know if I would have. I mean, there's a few tracks on here I would have maybe taken off and put other ones on, like Domino's maybe is not a favorite for me. But I bet you there's people that really like that song too. So Yeah. Should we talk about the artwork? Yeah, it's awesome. I, lo- I love looking at this record. Uh, I unfortunately don't have the the insert, but the cover has got... You want to start maybe with the photos? Yeah. On the cover? Yep. So a couple of lineups, right? You can definitely tell which is the one with uh, John Doe and... Uh, and and Dave Alvin and that lineup, right? Uh, oh yeah. And then uh, there's another one where they are. It looks like Chris is barefoot, standing on an alligator, like a taxidermied alligator or something. Yeah. <laughs> Did you catch that? I am looking at it now. Yeah. And they're each of them are holding like a uh, a, a frond from the tree or something. Yep. Yep. Who know? It probably relates to one of the lyrics somehow. Who knows? But uh, on the cover, anyways, it also has, in addition to the album-specific artwork, which is the Flesh Eaters, with Flesh Eaters written in what looks like different types of teeth. It has little alligators or crocodiles all around that. Right. And then there are gig posters with some uh, insane shows, insane bands on there. Do you want to list off some of the bands on there, Brent? Green on Red. Early, here's an early one. Screamers, Eyes, Gun Club. I think this might be the one we mentioned in the episode. Dickies, Nuns, Eyes. That might be their first show. X, of course. Angry Samoans. Yes. Salvation Army. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's a real who's who of early LA punk. Tragic Comedy, like if you talk in Salvation Army, there's Tragic Comedy with uh, another New Alliance band. Yep. Uh, Top Jimmy. Yeah. Leaving Trains brand. Yeah. Yeah. There's some more. There's some more gig po- posters on the back. Yeah. Let's flip it over. What else do we see there? A lot of the same bands. Uh, Decroitson. Yep. Dills, Weirdos. Misfits. Yeah. The Fall. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, let's see here. Long Riders. Yeah. Tex and the Horseheads. Yeah, they're on there a few times. Yeah, it's awesome. Lots of great shows, great gig posters. And I was looking through them and I was trying to I was trying to identify, but I don't think any of these posters are Raymond Pettibone drawings. Yeah, he he didn't really do that many outside of black flag i would say yeah like these all seem to be either band photos or movie like old movie pictures well you can tell which ones christy had a hand in for sure yeah oh yeah yeah that's my point yeah um there is some good info on the back of the jacket though in terms of the songs and we went through all that yeah does it say i'm i'm certain christy did the artwork for this he compiled the the record it doesn't say on the back here yeah 
It I've, says for more, for more info, personnel, credits, lyrics, see insert inside. And mine sadly didn't come with it. I was complaining to Brant about this before the show came on. It's like all of my Flesh Eaters LPs, none of them, uh, except for the No Questions Asked one, the reissue that has the Byron Coley insert. All of my other like original Flesh Eaters, none of them have the inserts in them if they came with them. And I was like, what do people do with the inserts? Yeah. Are they just like, oh, I I got to write out my grocery list. Here, I'll use, <laughs> I'll use this insert from the record. And it's like, come on. Sorry. It might be an addition of Brant's Rants right there. <laughs> there you go. Hey, don't put that record away. You got to check for dead wax. There's none. None. I know there's none. Yeah. Hmm. No, that's that's another thing. I was looking at it, and there's, there's nothing on here. Um just the SST number. Um, it says K-Disc on it. And uh, no other identifying marks that I can take out other than K-Disc. Big miss there. Could have been some good wax. Hmm. Of course, we got four sides last week with SWA. So maybe that'll have to do. Are you ready to do the, the ballot result then, Ryan? Yeah, man. Ballot result. Okay, what track do you like? Uh, you know what? I kind of have two that are my favorite. And they would probably be uh, Pony Dress or Cyrano de Berger's Back. Really? Yep. I like all the songs, though. I picked See, in the Bo- See You in the Boneyard, A Hard Road to Follow I Just Love, uh, The Wedding Dice, and Lake of Burning Fire were my favorites. Yep. Those are good, too. Can we do A Hard Road to Follow? Yes, you can. Love that song. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you get your way. You can because, pick. You can pick next week for Das Domin. Yeah, that's that's. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna be interested in being the pick on that one. You let me pick last week too, so you. Let's be honest. You let me pick like ninety percent of these, so only because you just. Piss, you piss and moan until you get your way. Threaten to quit the podcast off off air. I'm not when you're like when you're like Ryan. Which one do you want, Ryan? Which one do you want? And what goes through my head is, oh God, does it matter which one I want? Not really. Get ready to get ready to cave right now. Uh, but but speaking of Das Domin, you uh, you gave it away. Next week, Brant is Das Domin, the Jupiter ILP. I'm Really looking forward to that one. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, we've got a special guest or two, Brent. Actually, we've got three special guests next week. Together, I should add. These are three people all talking to me all at the same time. We've never done this before. It's Jim Walters from the band, Lyle Heisen from the band, and then Brian Long, who uh, was like a radio promo guy for SST and worked closely with Doss Dahlman. All three of them together on the podcast next week. It's an awesome interview. Yeah, I uh, I gotta I gotta admit I miss Alex on it because he was such a cool dude last time. But maybe we'll find an excuse to get him on uh, another time. We will. We will for sure. This is a great interview, though. Yep, for sure. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, all at Mojack Pod. We post all kinds of info and 
tons of pictures of the bands and albums we discuss on the show. Our blog is mojackpod.com. Please check it out for some exclusive content. If you like what we do and want to support the podcast, the best way to do that is to tell your friends about the show. Subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes is also appreciated. We love hearing your opinions, corrections, and feedback, so feel free to post on our social media sites and send us an email to mojackpod at gmail.com. Thanks again for all the support, and we hope to see you next week.